Welcome to Walking by Faith, where we believe that God's relevance extends to every aspect of our lives. Our goal is to empower you with the tools you need to grow in your faith journey. And that's why you can access Pastor's Notes in a snap. Download the Walking by Faith app today to follow along. Today's message holds the key to liberation from a silent but potential poison, unforgiveness. It's a reality that many of us unknowingly harbor, creating a breeding ground for self-destruction. We're unlocking the practical steps to dismantle the strongholds unforgiveness builds in our hearts. As believers, we cannot afford to give Satan an open door into our lives, allowing him to invade and attack not just us, but those around us. Let's dive into today's message, Unshackled Hearts. So we're in a series of messages about talking about not being ignorant of our enemy, the devil. The Bible says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11, it says, least Satan should take advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. Uh, I grew up in church, but in the church that I grew up in, what we taught was that everything that happened was God's will, no matter what it was. We just said, well, that's God. If you got a divorce, God sent you a divorce. You got in an accident, God gave you an accident. That is not what the Bible teaches at all. In fact, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, it says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom may devour. Verse 9, resist him steadfast in the faith. So the Bible teaches us that we have an enemy. The Bible says he is your adversary. He's going around looking for someone to devour. Now, he devours ignorant people and he devours passive people. So the Bible says don't be passive. You need to resist. But most Christians in Western world live their entire life and they could never tell you when they resisted the devil. Now, resisting the devil is not simply resisting temptation. It's resisting his works. Jesus said, John 10, 10, he said, the thief, the devil, he comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. So Jesus said, the things that bring abundant life, they're the things I bring. The things that kill, steal, and destroy, those are the things the devil brings. Least Satan should take advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. So we have been looking at how Satan attacks. And he will attack, if you're a Christian, uh, he's going to attack you. And so he says, well, I, I just have never had any type of a confrontation with the devil. That's because you're going the same way. You know, when you're going in the same direction, you probably won't have much of a confrontation with the devil. But if you start going in a different direction, you will have a confrontation. In Matthew chapter 12, in verse 28, it says, Jesus is speaking. He says, but if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, then surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. So Jesus is saying that a confrontation with the demonic is a sign of the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God is not when you die and go to heaven. Jesus began his ministry, and this is what he said. He said, repent, for the kingdom of God is here or at hand. He's saying, it's now, it's available, it's for you, 
It's for today. So the kingdom of God is not something you die and go to. In fact, Jesus taught us to pray your kingdom come. So Jesus wasn't trying to get us to go to the kingdom. He's trying to get us to walk in the kingdom today. And part of the kingdom of God is a confrontation with the demonic. Uh, Jesus said this. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, the picture that most Christians have is that Satan is attacking and we, the church, are hiding behind some gates and we're just like holding out. In fact, I remember growing up in church, we sang a song called Hold the Fort. Anybody remember that song? I see a few hands. I've got a few of the words here. See the mighty host advancing, Satan leading on. Mighty men around us falling, courage almost gone. Hold the fort, Jesus says, for I am coming. That is sick. <laughs> that is not what Jesus said. Jesus didn't say we would be cowering behind the gates, hoping that the devil would not knock the gates down before Jesus came back and rescued us. It's the exact opposite. Jesus said, the devil's gates are not going to prevail against the church. That's a picture of us plundering hell to populate heaven. That's a picture of the church knocking down the gates of hell. That's a picture of a victorious church, a church with authority. Jesus said, behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Mark 16, these signs will, be, that will follow those that believe in my name. They will cast out demons. See, the, the, the picture that Jesus gives is of the church of Jesus attacking the devil's kingdom and plundering his kingdom not of a wimpy church, defeated, hiding, holding out, but a church that is advancing. In Matthew chapter 16, and, and by the way, this is what Jesus said, that the works that I do, he said, will you do also, and even greater works, because I go unto the Father. He, he pictures a church that is victorious, a church that is confronting the works of the devil, and defeating the enemy. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 16. When evening had come, they brought to him, that's Jesus, many who were demon-possessed. He cast out the spirit with a word and healed all that were sick. Again, the King James, New King James, demon-possessed uh, or possessed with devils. It's really kind of an unfortunate translation. The Greek basically says this is demonized, just demonized. Or, or Williams translates it like this, many who were under the power or the influence of the devil. Others have just translated it, have demon trouble. So we have been talking about what does it look like when we are under a demonic attack? The Bible says we should not be ignorant of Satan's devices. First John 5 verse 19 says, we know positively that we're of God. And the whole world around us is under the power or the control 
or the sway of the evil one. Uh, some people think with well, the devil, if there's any devils, they're, they're off in some third world country. That is not true. The whole world, the whole world around us is under the power, the control of the, of the evil one. Uh, there are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of light. The Bible tells us in Colossians 1, you've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love. So we're, look, we're, we're actually looking at an extreme case of uh, demonic activity in Mark chapter 5. And I want to read um, this account again, then break it down and uh, hopefully finish this off this morning. Then they came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. No one could bind him, not even with chains. But he has often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshiped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, what do I have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Son of the Most High God, I implore you by God that you don't torment me. For he said to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he, as Jesus, asked him, what's your name? And he answered, saying, my name is Legion, for we're many. Also, he begged him earnestly that he wouldn't send him out of the country. Now, a large herd of swine was feeding near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea and were drowned in the sea. Those who fed the swine fled. And they told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting, clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who saw it told him how it had happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from the region. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but, to but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you, how he had compassion on you. And he departed and to began to proclaim in the Decapolis, that's this 10-city region, all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. Now, this man, over a period of time, became demonized. Now, the Bible does not give us an exact how did this happen. Right? Normally, there is some sort of yielding, some sort of an open door, hatred, bitterness, perverse sexual activity, idolatry. In fact, in this case, it says that he has an unclean spirit. 22 times in Jesus' ministry, an unclean spirit is mentioned. And it is a sexually perverse spirit. It talks in Romans chapter 1 about doing, people doing unnatural sex. Men with men, women with women, using, leaving the natural use for that which is against nature. Those are the things that produce an unclean spirit. 
a perverse sexual spirit. What happened in his case, he began to cut off association with other people from his friends and his family. When he gets delivered, Jesus said, go back to your friends. You were created for relationship, right? But the devil will try to isolate you. He became insane. Today, they would probably have just said that he was clinically insane, but he's driven by demons. He lives near the sea in cliffs. Well, he's living in tombs, and these tombs are where they bury people. He lives in the cemetery. He wears no clothes. He mutilates his body. He's cutting himself. He has no rest. The Bible says day and night, always, day and night. He's moving, he's running around, he's cutting himself, he's screaming, he's howling. People are afraid of him because he has become so violent. They have taken him and put him in iron chains and shackles. And by demon power, he breaks them apart. But when Jesus came to the region, that man saw Jesus from afar. And the Bible says he ran and he fell at Jesus' feet and he worshiped him. Flip Wilson said, the devil made me do it. But the devil can't make you do it. Right? This man had 6,000 demons in him. And when he saw Jesus, he said, somehow, if I can get to Jesus, there's hope. I can be made normal. I can be delivered if I can get to Jesus. Every demon was telling him to run in the opposite direction. Jesus confronts that demon, casts that demon out. The demons go into the swine, and immediately the swine run off the cliff and commit suicide. And as I mentioned before, this is the first case of doubled hams right there. Some of you will catch that later. (laughs) First, number one is a withdrawal from social interaction. The devil wants to isolate you. Number two, a tormented mental state. This man's going around cutting himself, crying out. Number three, chronic depression. Number four, chronic restlessness. Always, night and day, running around, screaming, cutting himself. Lewd behavior, unclean desires and behavior. Number six, compulsive and addictive behavior. And now today, number eight, uncontrolled rage. Uncontrolled. No one could tame him. They've captured him. They put him in shackles. They put him in chains. And he breaks them apart. In uh, 1 Samuel, in the Old Testament, we find King Saul has opened the door to a demon spirit, and that spirit is, is attacking him. And the Bible tells us that twice. Once, he takes a spear and tries to kill David. And another time, he takes a spear and tries to kill his own son. Now, the Bible says, be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil nor give Satan an opportunity. The Bible says we shouldn't be ignorant of Satan's devices, all right? We shouldn't give him an opportunity. But one of the ways that we can do that is by unforgiveness, by resentment, by hatred. The Bible says he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who rules his spirit than one who takes a city. But David kills Goliath as they're coming back, the ladies come out, they're singing, they've got their tambourines, and they saw it. Saul has slain his thousands, but David is ten thousands. 
Now the Bible says, from that time on, that day, Saul eyed David. This is what your Bible says. The next day, an evil spirit came. When he opened the door through this hatred, through unforgiveness in his heart, and really it wasn't even that David had done something wrong, it's that Saul perceived something that was not even there. So the Bible says, don't let that sun go down on your anger. You need to forgive, right? You need to forgive. Uh, A number of years ago, Jeannie and I were reading a book by a a leading uh, psychologist. And this psychologist said, there are some people that do things that are so bad, you should never forgive them. And you just put them in your right pocket and just leave them there. And then you live out of your left pocket. And I remember we're driving along and Jeannie said, that's like putting poop in your right pocket and thinking you won't stink. If you put poop in your pocket, you're going to stink. You say, but it's in my right pocket and I'm going to live out of my left pocket. No, you're going to stink. And when you have unforgiveness, you're going to stink. Right? The Bible says it this way in Hebrews chapter 12, translators, New Testament. It says, don't let anybody fall from God's grace. And at least it spring up and spoils everybody's life. Whose life? Everybody's life. The reason is, is it's found in Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 9. It says, don't hasten in your spirit to be angry because anger rests in the bosom of the fool. So the person gets up in the morning, they get a smile on their face. But in their bosom, right underneath the surface, they are waiting to explode. Anger is there. And it always comes from unresolved conflict. There is somebody you have not forgiven. And, and what you think is you think, well, my anger, my, my resentment towards that person is like a laser beam. But it's never like a laser beam. It's always like a hand grenade. The Bible says it spoils everybody's life. If I have unforgiveness towards somebody and I hold that unforgiveness, it's right there underneath the surface. Right? Somebody will do the, the littlest thing that has nothing to do with what happened to me. But you know what? That anger is there. How many of you, you have said or done the littlest thing to somebody and all of a sudden they absolutely blew up and you thought, what did I do? Anybody besides me ever had something like that? What did I do? You didn't do anything. What did I do to make them mad? Nothing. They woke up mad. They went to bed mad. Some of them have been mad for a week, some of them for a month, some of them for a year, and some of them for 20 years. And it's just resting right underneath the surface, waiting to explode. If if I hold that resentment and I have that anger on the inside, it doesn't just affect me. It affects my wife. It affects my kids. It affects my grandkids. It affects my friends. It affects my coworkers. It affects the dog because I'll kick the dog because I'm just mad. Right? And it's just underneath the surface and just the littlest thing goes wrong. Right? What is it? The Bible says, don't give Satan an opportunity. Don't give him a foothold. When, when we hold that, we, we, we literally open the door for Satan to invade, to attack our life. Right? Again, violent behavior. This man broke the shackles and broke the chains. You wonder why we've got road rage school shootings, random shooting. I'll tell you why. It's a demonic attack in that person's life. And again, Saul, he tried to kill David. He tried to kill his own son. 
Um, the main ways that people really open the door are sexual perversion, occult activity, or, or we, we could say idol worship, unforgiveness. Those are the main ways that we open the door. Don't hasten in your spirit to be angry because anger rests in the bosom of the fool. The unresolved conflict, the unforgiveness. And again, you think I can just focus that, but you can't. It's never a laser beam. It's always like a hand grenade. Hebrews 12, 15, see to it that no one falls away from God's grace, that no bitterness spring up to cause trouble and spoil everybody's life. Listen, when you forgive, you're not the one who gets set free. Well, the other person isn't the one who gets set free. You're the one who gets set free. Someone well said, having unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. They don't die, but you've opened the door for Satan to attack. All right. Uh, number 10 is a fixation on death and occult symbols. Now, we've already talked about the occult symbols, so let me just kind of focus about fixation on death. The Bible tells in 1 Timothy 4, now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Now, this man is living in a cemetery. In those caves where he lives, there's dead bodies. That's where they are. And when these spirits come out, they go into the pigs. And what do the pigs do immediately? They commit suicide. God built you with a natural aversion towards death. Death is not a friend. The Bible says that death is the last enemy. First Corinthians 15. It is the last enemy that's going to be defeated. So what we have today, and we have... We have singing groups, we have rappers, we have people that are trying to make death appealing and desirable. But God gave you this natural aversion. Anything that promotes death and suicide to be desirable is demonic. It is demonic. And again, you are given a natural protection against the demonic. When, when, when Satan comes to Adam and Eve, he comes as a serpent and he comes to deceive. He did not come as a mammoth and say, eat of the tree or I will stomp on you. He didn't come as a saber, a tiger or a lion and say, eat of the tree or I will attack. No, how he came with deception as a serpent. And did God really say, well, you won't really die. See, when we cooperate with the devil, we open the door for the enemy. And uh, I just wanted to mention two other things that really do open the door, all right? And one is drunkenness, and the other is drugs. Now, I'm going to say something here, and, 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 and uh, don't send me an email, all right? Because I'm not going to read it. And you say, well, I don't like what you're going to say. Well, I would agree with you, but then we'd both be wrong. So you just listen, all right? Dr having a beer or a glass of wine is not a sin, but drunkenness is a sin. It is a sin. And what happens when you become drunk, your natural inhibitions disappear, right? 
And, and more than that, it's like that natural protection that God gave you against a demonic spirit breaks down. It breaks down to the same thing with drugs. When, when, you, when you're taking drugs to have an altered state of mind, you break down that natural protection that God has given you. Now, some of you, you will drive home today and you will go by a, 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 a restaurant and on the sign, this is what it's going to say, food and spirits. That is truth in advertising. Because you get drunk, you open yourself up to a demonic spirit, right? That natural protection, it just, it dissipates. That last enemy that's going to be destroyed is death itself. Again, number 11, suicide thoughts, suicidal thoughts. Again, the pigs, what do they do? They commit suicide. The things that tell you it's hopeless, that, that, that create despair, that focus on death, that encourage death, that make death appealing are demonic, In, including Eastern religion where they tell you, well, you die and you just kind of float off into the cosmos in you know, nirvana and in it's just all great. It's all great. It's desirable. No, no, it is not. In fact, Satan's ultimate triumph is to trick a person into committing suicide. Now, I'm going to say something again. I want you to listen. I do not believe that every person who commits suicide goes to hell. And I want to tell you why. You can be sick in your body and it be an attack from the devil. How many of you realize that? And you can be sick in your mind in this attack from the devil, right? And he deceives you. He has tormented you and deceived you. Nevertheless, it is Satan's goal to get you to take your own life, right? And then lastly, it says this, neither could anyone tame him. When a person gets to a spot where there is just no help, no help, and the reason is this, your will has been broken down. Second Timothy two, verse 26 says that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him, Satan, to do his will. So when your will becomes captive, you are no longer doing your will. You're doing whose will? The Bible says you're doing Satan's will. Why? Because you are no longer resisting. Here's what happens. You, you remember that it says about this guy, this is that always, night and day, nobody could tame this guy. He's constantly out there doing these things. Satan will first infiltrate your soul, your personality. Second, he'll try to influence your soul. Thirdly, he will try to take over your soul. And ultimately, he will try to destroy your soul. But when there's this breakdown, here's what happens. And it can be in so many areas. It can be lust, fear, sickness, depression, jealousy, adultery, uh, lying, suicide, all of these different areas. But, but here's what happens. And I've seen this so many times. This is what somebody says. They said, I will never do that again. And three days later, they did it again. And then they say, I will never do that again. And they do it tomorrow. And they say, I will never do that again. Never, right? And then they do it again four days later. Now, this is what the Bible says. It says that the devil drove him and seized him, okay? Drove him and seized him. 
So you say, I'll never do it again. And it seems like everything's good for about two days, three days. And all of a sudden, something, it's something that kind of like it grabs you. It seizes you. It drives you. It pushes you. And you do it again. And then you do it again. And you do it again. And it happened for a week. And then it happened for a month. And it happened for a year. And then it's been five years. And then it's been 10 years. And you just can't tame that thing. You cannot get the victory over that thing. That is an addiction. Right? It's a bondage. What is that? It's a sign of a demonic attack on our lives. That's what it is. It's a sign of a demonic attack. What did Jesus do? Jesus delivered that man. And when Jesus delivered that man, this is what the Bible says. They came and they found that man sitting. He no longer had that chronic move always, night and day, running around, crying out, howling. It was going. He was sitting. He was in his right mind. He was clothed. He used to be naked, but now he's clothed. Now he's in his right mind, and he's sitting at Jesus' feet, and he's learning, and he's growing. And what does Jesus say to this man who's been delivered? He says, go back to your friends. Go back to your family. He says, you were created for relationship. You tell them what great things God has done for you. It does not matter how long you've been in bondage. Jesus is the deliverer. Jesus is the healer. He saw Jesus from afar. He ran, he fell at his feet, and he worshiped Jesus. And said, Jesus, deliver me. Do you know what? He'll deliver every one of us. He will deliver every one of us. We do not need to be victims of the devil's attacks. All right? Now, let me just close with just one last thought. The children of Israel come to the promised land. And God has said, I have given you the land. They send in the spies. They come back. They say, wow, the land is just like God said. It flows with milk and honey. But there's giants. There's seven nations. There's walled cities. And we can't go in. And unfortunately, that group didn't go in. But 40 years later, their children come to the same place and they cross over. And God had said, I've given you the land. And they go in and they dispossess the enemy. And listen, that is a picture of the Christian life. See, the, the promised land is not a type of heaven. How many of you know when you get to heaven, there's no walled cities to conquer, there's no giants to kill. There's not seven nations that are going to oppose you. In fact, if I counted right, it's 115 times that they breach the walls of the enemy city and take possession. But God said, I've given you the land. But they had to go in and take it. All right. Jesus said, fear not, little flock, for the father desires to give you the kingdom. But then it says this. It says, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. There are no wimpy Christians with victory. Right? You got to take it by force. You got to go into your promised land and dispossess that enemy. If he's there, you tell him, "No, you're in my promised land. You're in my peace. You're in my healing. You're in my victory, and I'm standing against you in Jesus name." Because he has given you authority.
to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means harm you. It can't hold on you. Flip Wilson said the devil made you do it. And Jesus said, no, I set you free and you don't need to do it. You know, we talk about the Bible. The Bible is the word of God. It's God speaking to you and to me. It's the will of God and it is absolute truth. And we say the Bible has got the, gr- the great answers to life's questions, and, and it is true. But the Bible also has the greatest questions. Let me give you a couple of them. The Bible says, what is your life? Think about that. What's your life? Somebody would say, well, my life's my family. Somebody would say, my life's a wreck. Somebody else might say, my life's my job. Somebody else would have the answer, well, my life's going nowhere. My life is, is my spouse, my kids. But the Bible answers the question. And the Bible says, what's your life? It's but a vapor. It's here for a moment and it's gone. You know, in the North country where we live, it's cold in the winter. And you go outside and you breathe and you see your breath. And in two or three seconds, it's gone. And the Bible says, that's what your life is like. In light of eternity, your life is just like a vapor that's here and it's gone. Another question from the Bible, what will the end be? Someday your body will wear out and die. And when that happens, what is the end going to be? Well, the the Bible says it is a multiple choice, but it's only two choices. It's A, I'm going to spend eternity with God in fellowship with him in a place we call heaven, or I'm going to spend eternity separated from God in a place of torment that's called hell. A third question, a jailer comes to a man named Paul and says, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? And Paul answers that question and says that you need to believe on and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. In other words, there is no other Savior. There's no good works I can do. I can't pray enough or give enough or fast enough. Nothing that I can do can make me right with God. But Jesus came, died on a cross, shed his blood and paid for your and my sins. And the Bible says to as many as receive him, to them he gives the right to be the children of God. So I wanna pray with you and I want to lead you in a prayer to receive Jesus. And if you will pray this prayer from your heart, when we say amen, you're gonna be right with God. So I want you to repeat this, make this, these words your own, say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again, victorious over death, over sin, and over the devil. And I give Jesus all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I receive Jesus as my Savior, as my King, and I'm going to live for him every day. I thank you. You've heard my prayer. I'm forgiven. I'm a part of your family, a part of your kingdom now today and forever in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if you just prayed that prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer and you're right with God. Now, I've written a book to help you keep on growing spiritually. I want to send it to you absolutely free of charge and all the information is right there on your screen. Thank you so much for being with us and God bless you. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, congratulations. You're making one of the best decisions of your life. If you're still working on that decision, 
We have people standing by at walkingbyfaith.tv who want to answer your questions. Just like Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv where you can have a copy mailed to you, download it instantly, or check out our audiobook. You can also find all these things on our app. This free book is a great resource as it's full of practical advice and encouragement to help you live a life of faith. Claim your copy today. Walking by Faith is changing lives and we want you to be a part of it. Your gifts will help continue to produce inspiring content that encourages people to change the way they think and empower them to use their voice. When you sow into God's kingdom, He will pour out a blessing upon you just like it says in Malachi 3.10. There are three easy ways to give. Text WBF GIVE to one 364 give Visit walkingbyfaith.tv slash give or click on the giving icon in our app. Thank you for your support. It's time to learn how to walk out of the shadows of unforgiveness into the radiant light of God's liberating grace. If you're in need of prayer for any reason, we'd love to connect with you. By scanning this QR code, you can send us a prayer request, download our app, read our weekly devotionals, and so much more. To rewatch today's episode with closed captions, you can now find us on Rumble. Have an amazing week, and we'll see you again soon.